The following content is not suitable for all audiences. The subject matter is pornography and not appropriate for younger listeners. This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program. I've been on a number of retreats that men have shared their stories of their struggles with pornography. They have told personal stories of the shame and guilt that accompanies this vice. Though this is not my cross to bear, my heart goes out to those that do. Joining me along the way is the Director of Integrity Restored, a Catholic apostolate that helps both men and women to recover from their porn addiction and betrayal trauma. I am happy to introduce my friend, Jim O'Day. Jim, welcome. David, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's good to have you here, Jim. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. Uh, last time I saw you was a few years ago at the Connecticut Catholic Men's Conference. You- We're talking now. I was thinking about it. That's uh, 13, 14, 15 years ago. Was it, was it that long? It is because I've been down here in Georgia 13 years now. Yeah, but you were in Georgia when, when I met you. I Oh, yeah. So maybe it was a few years after that. Okay. It's been 10 years anyway. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure to meet you that day. You shook your hand and um, I learned a lot from you that day. Jim, we've been talking about community. What does a Catholic community look like? But the most important uh, Catholic community is the family. And <laughs> I love the name of your, your apostolate, Integrity Restored. How do we restore the integrity of the family? Wow. <laughs> it's it's a you know, simple the, question, Jim. <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 simple answer is for families to turn back. Turn back to God. Turn back to each other. You know there's so many distractions today. Mm-hmm. On all of us as individuals, as husbands and fathers and wives and moms, and even on our children. And and the cell phone is one of the worst distractions. Mm -hmm. And so what we've allowed to happen in our family units is we grow further and further apart. The social media that is supposed to bring us connection actually ends up breaking the important connections. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, tr- I truly see that. I mean, people, and I'm guilty of this myself, be sitting right next to somebody and I'm texting or I'm, you know, using my cell phone to write something or, you know. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I completely understand. What do you think is the, the biggest problem with families today as far as what is that major distraction? Well, you know, it's interesting. I talked to in my in my work at Integrity Restored, I talked to hundreds and hundreds of priests uh, every year. Mm-hmm. And, and these priests, almost all of them have told me that the biggest impediment to evangelization today is pornography and sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. And it's starting at younger and younger ages. The average age of exposure to hardcore pornography in the U.S. is now eight or nine years old. And that's because everybody gives their kid technology. And so if our priests are saying that, and if our priests are telling us that the most confessed sin every Saturday in the confessional 
is pornography. And it doesn't matter men, women, young, old, youth, doesn't matter. That is a challenge to the family. Mm -hmm. Because what that does is it leads to isolation. And you can be isolated even with other people around you. And so we're continuing to see this increasing isolation where we spend more time on our technology, whether that's with pornography or gaming or gambling or shopping, doesn't matter. We're pulling away from that family unit. I, I think about when you go out to eat and you're sitting in a restaurant and how often you see a couple or a family and every single one of them has their heads in their phone, not engaging with the other person. Right. You see, God made us for community. You said it in the beginning of the show. You're talking about community. That's how he created us. Mm -hmm. And yet we've allowed technology to, to break apart that community. And I think that's a real challenge for families. And they're going to need to do some unique and, and what may seem like some hard things to kind of reverse that. You know, just the other day, my wife and I were over at uh, a large department store, and it's very, very busy this time of year. And we were driving through the parking lot, and this family of people were just walked out in front of our car. Their, you know, heads, like you said, in the phone and not paying attention. So there could have been a, a, a very bad connection had my wife not been paying attention to them and, and driving. So um, people do need to, I think we need to put our phones down. And you said that priests are saying that even women are confessing pornography? Absolutely, more and more. Um, that is the fastest growing population of porn consumers. You see, the porn companies know <laughs> they don't have to work to get the men. So they've spent all their creativity and marketing dollars attracting this younger and younger female audience uh, so that they can continue the astronomical growth they've experienced, particularly with the pandemic. How do we stop that? I love the topic of your show because the first place to stop it is in the family. And I tell parents all the time, you need to be having this conversation with your children early and often, earlier than you think, because they're going to be exposed to it way earlier than you think. Mm -hmm. If the average age is eight or nine years old, that's the average, that's the mean. So that means half the kids are younger. Mm -hmm. So start talking to your kids what to do mm -hmm. if they're exposed to pornography. And, and the first thing they need to do is come to you with it. And, and they're not in trouble. Mm -hmm. They instinctively know there's something wrong with it. And so they're ashamed. And so they won't tell their parents because they don't want to get in trouble. They're not in trouble. They're praised because they come to you. And I'd say often, so that's early. And often, it's not a one and done conversation. Mm -hmm. Your kids are going to be faced with this all the time every year as they continue uh, growing up, they're gonna be battling uh, exposure and, and people who wanna normalize pornography 
as sex education and a normal part of growing up. No, it's not. <laughs> it is not. That is not no, how it's you, not. That's not how you treat a woman. Correct. Um, the other thing is have the conversation with your spouse if you're married. Um, you know, have you struggled with this? Have you been exposed to it? Bring it out of the darkness into the light. Mm -hmm. Certainly for engaged couples, I recommend that we do kind of a uh, an experience inventory mm -hmm. uh, because almost everybody coming in to preparing for the sacrament of marriage today is going to have exposure to pornography. So now what is that level of exposure? Is it casual exposure or is it kind of regular consumption where, well, maybe we need to get some help before we go through with the sacrament. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you're not going to get married. It means you're going to get help right. to, mm -hmm. to be able to be married. Uh, you know, I'm writing a book. It's, it's actually done. It's being edited right now. Uh, it's called Sheepdog Strategies for the Catholic Man. There's three types of people in the world. Most people are sheep. They walk around with their heads in their phones, mm -hmm. uh, just thinking everything's going to be okay. And then you have a percentage of people who are wolves. And those wolves exist to prey on the sheep. And then finally, we have a very, very small percentage of people who are sheepdogs. And that's those of us who are willing to stand between the wolf and the sheep and protect those sheep from wolves. Now, I wrote this book because more and more as I learned about this concept and uh, worked with a lot of military and law enforcement guys in my hobby of teaching the martial arts, I said, you know, Catholic men are called to be sheepdogs by our very nature. If you think of Joseph, for example, the Holy Father, what a sheepdog. Mm -hmm. He took care of that family, even though he was afraid and probably had doubts. He did what he had to do. Mm -hmm. and, and I think of um, the apostles, and I think of, you know, St. Paul, his conversion. And then he absolutely was a sheepdog for the Lord. He was going to stand between the wolf and the sheep and, and protect those sheep and bring them to the understanding of the faith. Well, as Catholic men, that's what we're called to do. Maybe not like St. Paul traveling the world, but in our families, mm -hmm. in our friend groups, in our work groups, in our parishes, if men stood up and got activated and behaved like sheepdogs, we'd have a very different world. A, a good man is very, very important to the world. I learned that uh, from uh, Bear Wozniak made that distinction to me and uh, taught me that it is better to be a good man than a, than a nice guy. And uh, I always remember that. And, and that's a great statement. And here's the thing. I mean, I talked to, to so many guys in this work and being a good man doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Yeah. And we all certainly mm -hmm. uh, have regrets and things that we can all say, I wish I did that differently, or I wish I made a different choice. Absolutely. But every moment of every day is an opportunity for renewal. 
not just every morning, because some mornings I get up, I'm on fire, I'm ready to go, and something sets me off. I respond in a way I shouldn't. I react in a way I shouldn't. That doesn't mean the whole day's out the window. The next moment, I have an opportunity to do the right thing again. Mm -hmm. And so as Catholic guys, we have this continual opportunity to do what's right Mm -hmm. and to, to be good guys. And so I think that male leadership in the family is really, really critical for us to build back uh, the society that we want to see, uh, where we where we are protecting and sheepdogging for those who can't take care of themselves. Jim, tell me about the conversation you would have with your little boy. Well, my little boy now is uh, 21 years old. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'm getting old brother, but, um, you know, the, the way the conversation looks is really simple. So the first thing I tell parents all the time, leave your own broken sexual narrative at the door. We all have one. We all have our own sexual brokenness, whatever that is, leave that at the door because the child doesn't have that. They're innocent. They're pure. And one of the easiest conversations to have, especially with young children, is, hey, look, you know, technology is good. I know you love your tablet or your iPod or whatever it is. But sometimes people use it for bad things. And one of those bad things is showing naked pictures of other people. So if you ever see or if somebody shows you a picture of somebody, somebody's parts that should be covered with a bathing suit, you come to mommy or daddy right away. Mm-hmm. And if you tell them parts covered by a bathing suit, they go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. If we have to cover them with a baby bathing suit, we shouldn't be seeing them. Like to kids, it's normal. It just makes sense. And the, And the whole thing is to take the shame and guilt out of it by having those regular conversations. Um, There's some great resources out there. Uh, There's a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, which is excellent uh, for parents. Uh, There's a a book on our website called Wonderfully Made Babies that talks about two young children, why boys are made like boys and girls are made like girls Mm -hmm. from a Catholic perspective. And, And so if you use these resources as a parent, You can have these regular conversations with your child um, about healthy sexuality and God's plan for their sexuality without it being difficult, as long as you check your brokenness at the door. What do you mean by checking that brokenness? What is brokenness? Well, so a lot of us have sexual experiences, pornography experiences, masturbation experiences that we find very embarrassing. And so when we start talking to our children about human sexuality, which we should be the primary educator, Mm -hmm. we find it very difficult because we think, well, we really screwed it up. Your child hasn't. They're pure. Talk to them from the perspective of what it's supposed to be, not necessarily the mistakes you made. Mm -hmm. The other thing I tell parents all the time, 
we have problems with words as adults. Penis or vagina. Well, when you say that to a child, it's like saying nose or ear. It's just another body part to them. We're the ones that put a sexual connotation onto that word, not the child. Hmm. So learn how to not do that as a parent. Get yourself comfortable with having those conversations and your child will be a lot safer and more balanced for it. You know, I, I have a very good friend of mine who's a clinical social worker and he, uh, and we had talked about this before, they were trying to come up with a, a study to uh, study people that hadn't seen pornography and, and the effect that it has on the, on the brain. And they couldn't find anybody that hasn't been exposed to it. It's that pervasive of a problem in our society. After people start to get the help, does, does their brain change? How long can, you know, does it take for the effects of getting away from this take? That is, a, that is a great question. The good news is God's design of our brain is absolutely amazing. It is incredible. And, and honestly, it's an organ that we still know very, very little about. But what we do know is that the brain is neuroplastic. So all that rewiring you did by consuming the pornography, mm-hmm. well, when you stop consuming the pornography and start filling your brain with other things, it rewires again. Mm. That's the beauty of it. And so I... You know, I people ask me all the time, how long? There's no easy answer for that. It depends on your level of exposure. It depends on how often you are using, for how long you are using, what type of porn you are using. But the bottom line is healing is possible. And after about 60 or 90 days sober from using pornography, your brain's re- rewiring is actively happening. Hmm. That's the good news. The truly the eyes are the light of the soul then. Absolutely. And that was my next point. The difficulty is temptation does not necessarily go away. Hmm. And so we have to have great custody of our eyes in recovery and going forward. Because there's so many triggers for pornography usage that are not pornography. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all these social media sites can have within three clicks from a trigger, you're back to viewing pornography. So we have to be very careful because everything around us in media is so hypersexualized. Yeah. It's a, it's a shame. Tell me about this book that you, you've written. Tell me some more of the strategies that you're sharing with men. So uh, the reason, again, I've been teaching martial arts for 30 years, have had some great instructors myself and, and partners and done a lot of work with military and law enforcement types. Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing about this uh, Colonel Dave Grossman who is an author, a, uh, was a psychology professor at West Point, uh, is an expert on violence and violent crime. And he came up with this concept of being a sheepdog. And it was primarily for military and law enforcement. 
So I read everything I could about it and actually just had the Colonel on my podcast, which was a great episode. You got to listen to it. Oh, I, I definitely will. Um, and I started to expand that. As you know, I have a heart for and passion for Catholic men's ministry. And so I started to think, how can we use that concept as Catholic men? And so I wrote this book and it's not, it's not going to, it's not a very long book. It's a quick read, but it really covers what being a sheepdog Catholic guy is in the real world. So in a physical sense, what does that mean in the virtual world? So online and in all the uh, virtual scenarios we find ourselves in today. And then finally in the spiritual world. What are we to do as Catholic men spiritually? And so I broke down the book into those three sections. And in each uh, section of the book, we have some little uh, stories or anecdotes or interviews, uh, and then some practical tips of what we can do as Catholic men. You know, not everybody's going to go out and get their black belt or become a proficient marksman but there's other things you can do in the physical world to protect yourself and your family. And the biggest one is awareness, being aware of what is going on around you. You know, my wife laughs whenever we go out anywhere, restaurant, movie, anything. I walk in and I'm immediately scanning. Heads on a swivel. Heads on a swivel. Why am I scanning like that? Well, number one, for the exits. But number two, because God gave us this incredible gift, that feeling when the hair on the back of your neck stands up, something's off, something is wrong. And as human beings, we tamp that feeling down because we don't want anybody to be offended. We don't want anybody to feel bad. But you know what? If you're walking down the street and somebody's walking towards you and you get that feeling in the back of your neck, cross the street. What do you care what that person thinks? You don't know them. You don't know them anything. Pay attention to the early warning system that God gave us. So that's kind of some of the stuff I talk about in the book. In the physical world, uh, in the virtual world, it's very simple. Transparency with all your devices, mm -hmm. uh, with your spouse or your parents, using uh, filtering software like Covenant Eyes, for example, uh, is a great, uh, great tool. Having accountability with a brother, a friend, you know, a trusted male confidant who, who you can shoot that text to at 10 o'clock at night and say, man, I'm tempted, man. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And he's going to reach back out to you. Um, and, and then finally, you know, in the spiritual world, I think one of the things that that we don't do enough um, as men is pray because it's hard. And I think, Jim, that's probably like the easiest way to, to begin to rewire your mind is to pray. Oh, no question. It, it's happened for me. I mean, not not pornography. I, I don't I, I'm fortunate. I don't I don't struggle with that. Thanks be to God. Yeah, it's, I've got enough hang-ups. I don't, I don't, I don't need that one. <laughs> but uh, you know, 
this is a tough subject for men to talk about with other men. Or, or I can only imagine what it's like for a woman. So, and it, and it really shouldn't be. I mean, the numbers, the statistics tell us <laughs> if you yourself are not struggling, you absolutely 100% know and love someone who is. The numbers are that big. So the Barna Group, uh, which is like uh, a Christian Gallup poll company, Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did a study uh, a couple years ago of self-identified Christians. Now, they didn't care whether they were evangelical or Presbyterian or Catholic. As long as they went to church on Sunday and identified as a Christian, they could do this survey. Well, in that survey, these are church-going men and women. 68% of the men said they had looked at pornography within the last month. And only 13% of the women said they had never seen it. Now, this is self-identified believers, regular church coaches. Hmm. What about everybody else? The numbers are astronomical. Hmm. Um, If you were to survey a priest who had a hundred confessions on a Saturday afternoon, well over 90 of those confessions will have the sin of pornography and masturbation. This is, this. we got to stop thinking this is just a moral failing, recognize it for the true addiction that it is. You know, I tell people all the time, if if you walked into a church and said, hey, I'm an alcoholic, I need help. Hey, I'm a drug addict, I need help. We'd be jumping over the pews to get to that person to help them. But if you walk into that same church and say, hey, I'm a porn addict, I need help, boom, everybody walks away. Mm-hmm. Because we don't want to face it. We don't want to deal with it. It's here, ladies and gentlemen. This is the problem of today that we have got to correct. Or we are going to look to the future generation of non-evangelized people. It is very, very hard to be a full-blown pornography addict and have any kind of relationship at all with God. It's very, very difficult. In fact, the core belief of the addict is that God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. Otherwise, I wouldn't be struggling with this. God can't meet my needs, and pornography makes me feel good, so I'm going to meet that need with pornography. This is what we're dealing with. And so if you want to be a Catholic man who has impact, stay away from porn. Help other men stay away from porn. Healing is possible, but only if we start talking about it. Mm-hmm. Jim, I, I wrote a talk one time, and it was about it was about fraternity for the Knights of Columbus. I'd written it. And I, ch- I actually challenged guys to great guys that go and pray in front of abortion clinics to pray in front of porn shops, pray the rosary in front of a porn shop. But I've never seen that. I've never seen it happen. So I, I, I'd like to see the Knights of Columbus get out and start doing that, closing them down. I honestly think that there is a tie to pornography and abortion. Look, there's no question. Um, The more we sexualize each other and start to look at each other not as a son or daughter of God, but as an object to be used 
solely for our own pleasure, mm -hmm. of course, abortions going to increase. There's no, there's no doubt about that because it's all about my own narcissistic immediate need for pleasure that takes away from that. I don't, I can't deal with that consequences. No. Mm. So where do we go? How do we, uh, what's our strategy for, for helping somebody who comes to us and say, where do we begin? So the, the first thing I tell people all the time, and, and so we have a ton of resources on our website, uh, integrityrestored.com. But if your buddy is talking to you, or, or if you're a, a woman listening to this show and, and your girlfriend or sister is talking to you, know that help is available. You're not in this alone. The biggest misconception is that I'm the only person struggling with this. Nothing could be further from the truth. Millions and millions and millions of people are struggling with this every minute of every day. If you're an addict and you're struggling, the first thing I would do is reach out to your local priest, get into confession, make a good confession, and ask the priest if he knows of any local resource for a therapist or a counselor that you can talk to. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be in therapy or counseling for a long-term commitment, but you need to talk to that expert professional so that you can find out where is this addiction rooted. We used to say that most pornography or sexual addictions were always rooted in trauma, usually childhood trauma, not always, but usually. Well, we can't say that anymore. The model has been flipped. Now we have to look at something called the OAT model, opportunity, accessibility, and trauma. Because pornography is so ubiquitous, it's so accessible to all of us all the time, 24 hours a day, we have the opportunity to become addicted just from that increased accessibility. Mm -hmm. Our brains are automatically geared towards picking out something sexual. And once they do, they say, oh, this is good. I got to pay attention to this. It doesn't matter if you're a male brain or a female brain. It works the same way. And so the opportunity and accessibility can become its own trauma as you continue to look at more and more different and violent and degrading types of pornography because your brain's always looking for something novel, something new. Mm -hmm. And so that is get to a priest, make a good confession, ask that priest if he knows a local therapist or counselor that you could talk to, see where this addiction is rooted. If it's an addiction or if it's just exposure. And if it's just exposure, they're going to send you on your way. Mm -hmm. Pick a partner. It should not be your spouse, but an accountability partner who you can call up when you're tempted, who you can be honest with about your struggle and really build that relationship with that person. If you're the spouse of someone who's struggling, we have a program called Bloom for Catholic Women. Uh, it's an online recovery program and community, online community of women who pray for each other, support each other, answer each other's questions. If you're a wife dealing with this or a girlfriend dealing with this, you're going to feel alone. You're not. Millions and millions of women are going through this. And there's great help in healing. 
you are suffering from something called betrayal trauma. When you married your husband, whether you said it out loud or not, you wanted to marry your knight in shining armor. That's how women are built. And now this knight who you have committed to with every ounce of your being has betrayed you. And so that trauma you feel is real. Sure. You're not going crazy. You're not losing your mind. You're suffering from betrayal trauma. You can be helped and recovery is possible. And the good news is recovery for the marriage is possible. Healing for the marriage is possible. And we have hundreds and hundreds of cases here at Integrity Restored and thousands and thousands of cases throughout the country with therapists and, and priests and church organizations that are doing great work helping marriages heal from this epidemic of pornography addiction. And so many of those marriages flourish like never before because there's a new level of intimacy and honesty that happens when you're going through the recovery process together. Is an addiction to pornography, is it like drugs and alcohol, or mainly drugs, in that you get like an initial high, and then you're always trying to get that, that high back, but you never seem to, you're always... Uh, you're always chasing yeah. that high. So, so pornography addiction is really what they call a uh, process addiction or a behavioral addiction, meaning that you're not taking an outside chemical mm -hmm. and, and putting it in your body where your body's becoming dependent on that chemical, alcohol, nicotine, cocaine, whatever. You're actually becoming addicted to your brain chemicals, your own chemicals that your body is creating. When we watch pornography, we have a great increase in dopamine, uh, the feel-good chemical. And so your brain really likes that, and your body really likes that. And so let's watch more because it makes me feel good. Well, the brain is also self-regulatory. It's smart. So it starts to say, I'm producing too much dopamine. Let me shut down some of these dopamine receptors. So as you're watching more and more porn, your body starts to shut down the dopamine receptors. Then what happens? You have to watch more porn or more hardcore, more violent things you would even have found disgusting a year ago, types of pornography in order to get the same dopamine rush because your brain has shut down the receptors. The good news again is your brain is neuroplastic. When you get back to baseline in your recovery process, your brain will start to open up those dopamine receptors again. And things like exercising or praying or dancing or singing or visiting with a good friend will start to produce the same dopamine high that you were relying on pornography to get before. Exercise is another great one. Um, are there 12 steps available for this? There are. There are. Um, Sex Addicts Anonymous, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Uh, and there's a really great one that I, I, I really like. I've had uh, Scott Weeman, the founder, on our podcast. Uh, it's called Catholics in Recovery. And it is an online 12-step group. So you don't have to go anywhere. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. Um, an online 12-step group that deals with 
the 12 steps from a Catholic perspective. And, and so they incorporate a lot of our spiritual practices and devotions uh, into the 12 step and the overall recovery journey. Great, great organization. Where are they out of? Uh, Scott, I believe, is in the Midwest, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, they have groups running multiple times a day, every day. So it doesn't matter, you know, where you are, what time zone you're in. There'll be a group you can find. Are they are they reaching out at like AA has has meetings that are available in church halls and st- you know different places is twelve uh, step programs available? So yeah, the uh, the secular ones completely are. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to go online and look up uh, Sex Addicts Anonymous or Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Um, there is no twelve step in person group that I know of right now specifically dealing with pornography addiction. Um, They deal with the broader sex addictions. And for a lot of guys and women who are struggling with porn, they're like, no, that is not me. Like, I am not a sex addict. I'm a porn addict. I'm not a sex addict. Mm -hmm. I don't go around having sex with random people. Or, you know, I've never cheated on my wife physically. So Mm -hmm. a lot of Porn addicts kind of struggle with those meetings, uh, which is why I'm liking this Catholic Catholics in Recovery online program more and more, because it really is just Catholic porn addicts coming together uh, and and supporting each other in their recovery. Very very powerful. You had talked about some of the work that you're doing with uh, seminarians. Tell me a little bit about that because that that was that was a little shocking to me. Well, so if we think of seminarians as nothing more than young people, young men who feel a call from the Holy Spirit to give their lives to the priesthood. We have to remember, first of all, at their nature, they're just young men. And with the kind of numbers of pornography exposure uh, that we see in the world today, it is likely that these young men have at least had significant exposure to pornography in their lives, if not joining the seminary with an addiction. So I was speaking to a seminary rector who shall remain nameless uh, not too long ago uh, as we were developing this seminary program at Integrity Restored. And he said, you know, Jim, 10 years ago, when I was doing the intake interviews with the candidates, I used to ask the question, have you ever seen pornography? And it was about half and half. Some had, some hadn't, but it wasn't really a big problem. Today, I ask the candidates, when is the last time you looked at pornography? And many of them, the answer was yesterday. Mm. You see, these young guys are going into seminary with this burden, with this struggle. And they, uh, they're ashamed. There's a lot of guilt. And, and many of them have the misplaced idea that once they get through seminary and are ordained a priest, that struggle will go away or that temptation will go away. Well, from the spiritual component, I can tell you it will be harder. It will be worse. 
you know, the devil wants to break those men down. He mm-hmm. absolutely does. Absolutely. And the devil also knows he doesn't have to work too hard with men when it comes to our sexuality. We're pretty weak to begin with. Mm-hmm. So those young men need our prayers. They need our help. They need our support. They need our mentorship. If we don't help those guys 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now, we don't have a Catholic faith because without priests, there is no Eucharist. Without priests, there is no reconciliation. Yes, there's things we can do as lay people. Yes, there's things we can do as deacons. Those two things we cannot do. Two of the and most those, important two of the most exactly. important things of, of our Catholic faith is the Eucharist and reconciliation. So correct. So, you know, as Catholics, we need to be supporting these seminarians. Yeah. And su- supporting all the young people around us. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so many young guys I sp- to say, well, once I get married, I won't have a problem with pornography anymore because I'll be having sex with my wife. Well, no, that's not true either. You're using pornography as nothing to do with sex. It has to do with the brain chemicals that you are now actually addicted to. It has to do with the trauma that you've experienced, either big T traumas or lots of little T traumas from your pornography use. Your wife can never provide that level of dopamine rush for you. God didn't make us that way. And every time we watch pornography, we bond with those images on the screen. Is that crazy? It's crazy. It's completely true because that's how God made us. Mm -hmm. When we have sex and we have an orgasm and it feels good, we release oxytocin, the bonding chemical. God made it that way. God's design is perfect. We're supposed to bond with our wife or our husband. But when we're using porn and we're masturbating and having orgasm, we're bonding with pixels on a screen. Who would want to do that? Yeah. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Jim, are you still involved with stewardship? Yeah. So um, Integrity Restored is part of a family of ministries with stewardship, a mission of faith. And um, this organization has integrity restored a group called the fathers of St. Joseph, another group called down to earth ministries. And finally a music ministry called spirit power. That's our, so that's our f- old buddy, Marty Rotella. Marty Rotella. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He, he was our guest number two on, on our show. Uh, he's he is awesome. He's a great guy. Uh, he is a Holy Spirit filled man. Yep. I just love being around him. And he never says and, no to me. I mean, he's just a fantastic individual. Yeah, he really is a good guy. And 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 you know, stewardship has been a great look. Integrity Restored wouldn't be here, uh, honestly, if it wasn't for stewardship. They have been a wonderful, wonderful parent organization for us, helping us with everything from finances to uh, marketing and administration, we honestly wouldn't be here without them, without their support. You brought up something really, really important, and that's finances. How can people uh, donate to Integrity Restored? Well, uh, go to integrityrestored.com backslash donate. This battle is truly, ladies and gentlemen, a David versus Goliath battle. The porn industry is huge, 
and incredibly profitable. And we exist and provide all our resources solely based upon the generosity of friends like your listeners. And so as a 501c3 not-for-profit, if we don't get donations, we can't offer the programs and services that are so needed. Mm. So uh, especially this giving season, this holiday season, if you think about it, make a gift to Integrity Restored. As I said earlier, if you are not struggling yourself with pornography addiction, you absolutely know and love someone who is. And we have tons of free resources. We're here to help. Make that gift today. Anything I can do to help you, please let me know. Jim, I got one more question. What form of uh, martial arts do you study? Oh, so I've been, uh, I started out in judo mm-hmm. uh, back uh, back in high school. Yep. And did taekwondo for a little while and then stopped. And after I got married, you know, I was playing on a bar softball team in New York City. I was on a dart team at the bar. I was at this at the bar. I was at that at the bar. And my wife said, you know, I don't think that's a great idea. You need to find other hobbies that don't involve the word bar. And uh, so I just walked into a local martial arts school, uh, which was uh, judo and jujitsu. And so I've been doing that now. We're married. uh, So 35 years uh, I've been doing that and and absolutely love it. It's a it's a great I highly recommend it. It's a great stress reliever. It's a great uh, physical activity. And it really does help you be aware. Mm-hmm. Increased awareness, situational awareness of what's going on around you. And and as I say uh, in the book, and, and once it's done, uh, Dave, I, I'm going to send you a copy. I'd love your thoughts. We don't have to be a black belt. We don't have to be, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, in, in the most incredible shape of our lives. We need to be healthy and we need to be aware. And ready. And ready. And I'm going to tell you, one thing that I I have found with martial arts is that if you have, it's a great self-esteem builder. Absolutely. And I think self-esteem, low self-esteem draws people to their addictions. And uh, a great way to to change that path is to get on a daily schedule and commitment to prayer get on a commitment to physical activity and the martial arts are a great way to do that. Especially if you have a good, I, a good sensei, somebody that, that will, you know, uh, teach you the, the the lessons of life. It's a, it's a great experience. Uh, there, there's, there's no question it's beneficial and it doesn't matter if you're young or old, never too late to start. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a, it's a great way to grow uh, in character and in virtue, uh, the Bushido code, the code of the warrior, is a virtue-based code that can easily be translated uh, into how we should behave as Catholic men, husbands, and fathers. Jim, we're starting to run out of time now, so I'm going to wrap this up um, by just saying thank you so much for being here, for dealing with a a topic that's pretty tough. And I have to admit, this was a little uncomfortable. I didn't know how I was, I didn't know how I was going to really do in this, this, this interview, because it's a tough subject, but you're a tough guy. And uh, I just want to say thank you for being here again. 
Well, my brother, it was my pleasure. And I can't believe we whipped through an hour already. I, I know mean, for me, for me, this was fun. I, you made this easy. Uh, so I appreciate it. Well, for my uh, guest, Jim O'Day, my producer, David Imhoff, I'm down the hall, Dave, always praying that your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. We'll see you next time. Thank you.